Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. In a vacant cement lot, rendered outlines mark tentative spots where large tents that are built to withstand the cold could be propped up at 38th and California. Sandwiched in between two spaces meant for housing are two spots set aside for dining and laundry tents. Come winter, this space camp and others like it will house some of the thousands of asylum seekers that have been sent here from Texas. All over the city and surrounding areas, communities and city leaders alike are grappling with a humanitarian crisis as migrants continue to arrive at up to 25 buses a day. The pressure this puts on local communities reflects other sanctuary cities' struggle shows holes in our system's migration process, and has created a demand for many local underserved communities to see their needs met. I'm your host, Ariel Ravine, and this week we take a look at the migrant crisis in Chicago, what's being done, and how locals are reacting. Let's get looped in, Chicago. To get a better understanding of the current status of folks, I spoke with WBBM reporter Nancy Hardy about the communities she's covered these last few weeks. Our understanding, obviously, it's a fluid situation, but the most recent numbers that we have are that more than 18,000 migrants have come to Chicago since last August from Texas, some from Colorado. We know a lot of them have been bussed. I saw a very interesting piece of information from a TV station in Texas that said they had FOIA'd and found that the contract that Governor Greg Abbott entered into was for $75 million to bus migrants from Texas to other states. Obviously, we would only be a portion of that. We also know that they are arriving by plane. There was a story in the Sun-Times talking to the Catholic Charities leader from San Antonio, I believe, and they were talking about all of these folks who are spending the night at at O'Hare because the police stations are full. And I think as of Earlier in the week, there were 711 people living in O'Hare. And so what do we know that city officials are doing to find places for the people who are arriving to go? Where So beyond, you know, I know we have an understanding of airports and police stations. What is kind of the next step? What is the next idea? There are two shelters that are supposed to open in the West Loop very soon. By the time the stairs, they may have already opened. They are on Lake Street and Racine and All 50 aldermen have been told to go through their wards, look at vacant properties, buildings to assess where the city could house folks. 
We know that there's been a lot of confusion, right? A lot of the aldermen and the residents have said that they were given little or no notice before people started showing up. Okay. And we have heard a lot of those stories kind of happening throughout this time, you know, with South Shore and that community high school. And I believe it was Elgin or South Elgin that you spoke with some of the community members there. It was Joliet. It was Joliet. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And that was interesting because Mm -hmm. there was this miscommunication again between levels of government. This was Joliet Township where the supervisor, Angel Contreras, had put in a request for money from the state. And a lot of people were unaware that the township was getting money and they had confused. There was this confusion as to whether it was going to be the city of Joliet or not. And not until the state announced an $8.6 million grant to provide shelter, food, healthcare, all of those things, did people know that this was coming. So there was a meeting recently where people got very angry and it was a three-hour meeting. A lot of the things that we had heard before, but the township supervisor was saying that this was to be paid retrospectively, that this was to make up for expenses that social services and other agencies had already put out and that it was not something moving forward. A lot of people very upset about that. And it, it almost, you know, you could almost play a lot of the same sound bites or you, you would hear the same conversations regardless, whether it's Joliet, the West Side, the North Side. People are saying, hey, there are a lot of people here. There are a lot of needs in this community that we want you, government with our tax dollars, to put ahead of these new arrivals. There was somebody in the Galewood area that was saying, you are Putting us, throwing us under the bus for people who can't even vote for you, to put it in language that a lot of politicians might really understand. And so I'm curious, so Chicago is a sanctuary city. I'm kind of curious of how this plays into all of that, of it being a sanctuary city. Is there an inherent responsibility on the government to then meet the needs of these people? Well, one of the things that came out of some of these meetings also was this idea I believe I'm not going to I'm not 100 percent sure on which alderman, so I won't credit it to anyone. But there's this push to have a referendum so that voters in the city of Chicago can decide if they want to keep the sanctuary city designation. And I think you'd get a lot of people interested in that. And I wonder if I'm trying to figure out a way to word this question. But to me, this reaction kind of seems like this is what Texas almost won. Right. Like, do you think that this this type of reaction of taking away sanctuary status and all this stuff. Do you think that that is something that was the goal in even sending the migrants here in the first place? I do. I very much do. And it's it's one of those things where I think that Greg Abbott was saying, okay, you northern cities that are not on the border who, you know, claim to be sanctuary cities and criticize the way that Texas handles these things. It's it's easy to say that we are a welcoming community when you don't have people coming in all the time. So I think this very much was what he intended, you know, several 18,000 people later to uh, really test the city of Chicago in its resolve to be a welcoming city. I will tell you that uh, Brandon Johnson does not appear, the mayor does not appear to be uh, interested at all in changing the city's welcoming sanctuary status. He is talking about going down to the border. But I, I do agree that I think uh, this is something that that folks like Greg, uh, Governor Abbott have been looking to this kind of disruption, this kind of conversation, this kind of agitation 
I think he's been looking for that the entire time. So you have been going around to a couple communities throughout the past few weeks. Have you seen any positive responses in some of these neighborhoods? Inevitably, yes. That All of these meetings do have people who are saying it's our responsibility. You know, we should help these people who are looking for a better life, who are clearly escaping violence and terrible conditions, mostly from in Venezuela, to welcome them here. There was somebody who was speaking recently at um at a meeting that was saying we we live in a you know it was on the west side and I, I or the near west side and it was you know we live in an affluent ward and it's our responsibility to help there are a lot of people who have volunteered and have come to these meetings and said how can they help they're just usually not the loudest voices at a lot of these meetings how to financially support this amount of people has been on a lot of chicagoans minds on october 11th there was a city council meeting where Mayor Johnson revealed his budget for the migrant crisis to be $150 million. I spoke with WBBM City Hall reporter Craig Delamore about what was discussed in this meeting and more. In the uh, mayor's budget, it's $150 million. Uh, that is actually down from the original estimate. In fact, it's uh, probably uh, something like half of what the city is expecting will need to be spent on the migrant crisis but the mayor's justification for it, for lowering that, is that some other aid is going to be needed. And he wants to see that aid coming from the state and from the federal governments. And while it is certainly uh, expected or possible that there will be more funding, there are no promises that there will be. And in fact, Governor Pritzker has pretty much said there will be no extra funding in the veto session, which uh, starts next month. What does the allocation of that money look like? Well, basically what that money would be for is for housing and feeding the migrants and security around the uh, centers. Probably it's also uh, involving the building of the uh, so-called tent city or what they are calling base camps, so-called winterized tents that would be able to handle temperatures like those in the Chicago winter. Right now, we don't really know where those camps will be, although some aldermen are being talked to about their wards, and some aldermen are pretty much refusing to talk about their wards. But uh, the city's going to put them where the city feels it needs to put them. But over the weekend, uh, the mayor's floor leader, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, he uh, said that that money is likely to last only six months. That's uh, that they're they're going to need more money at some point. And frankly, if it doesn't come from outside the city, it has to come from the city. And you'll see a lot of resistance about that. Yeah, that really brings me to my next question, which is where does the money come from? If we're going to need some again in the future or even right now, where are we getting this money? Well, basically the general fund, but that's a that's a catch all word that doesn't really tell you uh, what the sources of the money uh, can be. But at the moment, we don't know. Uh, there are other kinds of taxes that have been talked about, for example, raising money for homelessness, which uh, some of this encompasses. Uh, that can come from uh, increase in the real estate transfer tax. That is the tax paid of the sale of homes. And in this case, we're talking about homes that cost more than a million dollars. Um, it's been called a mansion tax, but uh, really it was originally a tax on any 
home over a million dollars. First off, homes under a million dollars will see their tax lowered and under this proposal and taxes for about a million to, I think a million five will be one, uh, one amount. And then over a million five will be a much higher amount. The decision to aid migrants who come here doesn't fully fall on local politicians. Community members have been very vocal about what this means for them and their neighborhood. When we come back from the break, we'll hear what some groups demand and what one community activist thinks of the situation. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I wanted to know the reaction by aldermen and community members when it came to the announcement of the budget for migrant assistance. Craig told me that it was just the budget outline for now, so alderman reaction will come when the hard copy of the breakdown does. Tune in to WBBM News Radio for those updates. The second reaction is that people want to see that while the city is taking care of the migrants, and there is a lot of uh, sympathetic feelings for the migrants. This is a welcoming city, and while there may be some debate about whether Chicago could should continue to welcome migrants, generally the public feels, yes, that's what we do here. But on the other hand, they want to make sure that the homeless people and others who are in need are also taken care of and that this budget doesn't take care of the new arrivals at the expense of the people who have already lived here. Uh, so that's one of the concerns. It has especially been a concern in Afri predominantly African-American wards because there have has been lots of need. But again, the response has been measured. The best example of that is a 20th Ward Alderwoman uh, Jeanette Taylor, who is one of the more passionate speakers. And at one point, uh, famously now, she tearfully talked about the dilemma and and she has consistently said, I am not going to turn my back on these people. We cannot turn our backs on them because this is Chicago. On the other hand, why is it always our neighborhoods that are getting the shelters? All the shelters are coming in our neighborhoods. And we are we have been asking for resources in our neighborhoods for years and not getting them. And now all of a sudden there's money for the new arrivals. There better be some help for our community as well. There are some other older people who have been less embracing and saying, don't put anything in my neighborhood until you give us more for the people who are already here. That is certainly a sentiment that you're hearing more and more. And yes, there's going to be more resistance in the African-American community because of the long-standing disinvestment in those neighborhoods. And you can't blame this administration for that and necessarily the last one, which also put more investment in the African-American community. In layman's terms, this is a nuanced issue for many people. Underserved communities, like some predominantly Black neighborhoods, want to see the migrants help, while also wanting to see their call for aid answered too. 
This is audio from an Elgin resident protesting the use of facilities at Amundsen Park to be used to house migrants. But the thing that we're mostly concerned about is our children, our black children, the, the football, the soccer, and all the things that they do, and trying to be constructive citizens. And now they're going to take this park, our beautiful park, and give it to migrants. Don't get me wrong, I understand the situation, but that's not on us. I discussed this dilemma with community activist Miss Cassandra Greer Lee, the founder and president of the Nicholas Lee Foundation, who is from South Shore. How can an underserved community take advantage of this moment to maybe also get some attention and some funding for issues that are important to them? To me, what we can do is because we know that we have a humanitarian issue going on now, let's help find the solution because these are other human beings. And then once this is rectified, and then this is when you can get on that microphone and say, Mr. Johnson and city council and Governor Prisker, we stood strong with you all when the migrants came to seek asylum. Don't you think it's time to help us now? It's a way to do it. You know, a lot of these Southside communities have been vocal, but at the end of the day, the aldermen have been voting in favor of funding and voting in favor of finding some places to put them. One thing I love about Jeanette Taylor, she said that she was very, very vocal and she was torn. South Shore, Woodlock, we need this money. We need it. We need it. But guess what? My heart still see these people that's in need as well. You know, even though it's like a battle, because it's, it's a battle with me sitting here saying these things to you, because my heart is with South Shore. My heart is with the people that has placed this lawsuit because I was born and raised in South Shore. I understand their anger. I understand them looking like the nerve of these people to come in and give away millions and we suffering. I understand that. But at the end of the day, these are human beings laying on the floor. So they're a little bit worse off than we are. And that's not taken away from our suffering because I have lost tremendously in poverty-stricken areas. I have had relatives that was murdered. So I know the impact and the trauma that my people are experiencing every single day. And I'm still experiencing it with them because I'm not, I don't live in Peel Hill. I still live in the area of Bronzeville. So my thing is that I have a kitchen to prepare the migrants' food in. They don't have that. I don't have to wait in line to go to the bathroom. I'm not sleeping on the floor. Do I need resources? I do. Do my people need resources? They do. Do I want better insurance for my mother, my elderly mother, who's aging? I do. Do I want to stop my black and brown boys from going to jail because they don't have any resources? They don't have any community centers? I really, really do, Ariel. I do. These people need it just a little bit more than me. So I just wish that they would see that and not see money. See, that's the reason why Chicago has failed so much. Because everything has been private over people. And if we just realize that there's no amount of money that can replace a life, then we'll win. In late September of this year, the federal government expanded the Temporary Status Program to allow thousands of Venezuelan asylum seekers to live and work in the U.S. legally. 
Last week, members of Chicago's immigrant community rallied in Pilsen to demand the same protection. WBBM's Brandon Eisen was there. What was the energy of the crowd? You know, as far as the, the mood at the rally, people were highly impassioned. Um, you know, there was, there was young girls there, teenage girls who were talking about their fathers who had been working in the country for decades, who had been deported for, for no other reason uh, than that they didn't have uh, the legal status to be working or, or staying in the country. Top of that, when it comes to the worker side, people talk about uh, the exploitation of workers. Uh, and that can come in a lot of different forms. That can come in uh, lower pay. And that also leads to more injuries, serious injuries. And we were hearing that from a lot of the workers there at the rally where they were talking about injuries that not only happen, but then also become compounded injuries and get worse without treatment because people uh, fear going in to get treatment and uh, fear reporting the injury so they don't get any of the uh benefits from uh, workman's comp or, or anything else like that. If they've got to take time off work, that's going on for people that have been in the country for, for decades, living, working, raising families, paying taxes. Uh, meanwhile, you've got asylum seekers that have recently come in over the last year in order to address this, this migrant crisis, as it's being called. The Biden administration grants parole and work permits for about half a million asylum seekers from Venezuela. And, uh, and now, you know, a lot of the, not only the undocumented immigrant community in the United States, but first generation, second generation, people that have been born in the United States, they see, they see an issue with this, not in, in the form of that it shouldn't be happening, but in the form that that should happen. And also you should be able to do that for us. The way they kind of bring that up is, is they say that there is actually existing law to expand work permits through parole to all immigrants. And that would include the un undocumented, uh, just like they granted the parole with the work permits to the, you know, half a million immigrants uh, that have come through and the temporary protected status. By doing this, the immigrant community that has been here for decades uh, is saying that you obviously have the authority to do that. So why won't you do that with us or sit down and talk with us about that. And, you know, as far as Chicago goes, there's more than 180,000 undocumented immigrants working and living here. They would get a, a big benefit to that. That's locally more than 11 million undocumented immigrants uh, have been living in the U.S. for decades. They contribute to the economy, culture, and the, the fabric of the country. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looped in Chicago. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Ariel Ravenet, with additional audio from CBS2. Craig Schwalb is our station's news director. Myron Kaplan is managing producer of national news podcasts. You can subscribe to the program on the free Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at WBBM News Radio and at WBBM Podcasts for visual content relating to our episodes. We'll keep you looped in again right here next week. See you then. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts Baseball is back and so is MLB.tv Watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere, anytime, all season long Follow the action live or on demand Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights Plus Original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.